Hey, it's PF. Yes, the PF's tape recorder uh, lost episodes series continues, I guess for lack of a better word. I'm going to try and get actually a, a fresh guest in for next week. Uh, we're probably going to have Mike Lucas on. Mike was on the very, very first episode of PF's tape recorder and he offered to come back on, but I wanted to wait a few weeks so he wasn't like, so it wouldn't appear in your queue twice and you'd think, wait a minute, is this a repeat of a repeat? So now we're going to talk to Mike hopefully this Friday uh, in the wake of the uh, Cincinnati Bengals Cleveland Browns football game. We're big Browns fans and uh, big Cleveland sports fans, so we'll have a lot of fun talking about that. We'll catch up with Mike and so forth. In the meantime, we have episode number six, it looks like, Paula Poundstone. And uh, this is interesting because uh, of the most downloaded episodes of PF's Tape Recorder, I would say Paula Poundstone is in the top 10, maybe top five, maybe top three. And I always wondered why that was, not that she isn't great, uh, by the if you listen to her on, um, wait, wait, don't tell me, I believe she is a panelist on the game show on NPR. She's, she's so quick, even, you know, you see her on stage, of course, you think, well, yeah, that's because, you know, she's written some stuff and she's done this before, so she's, in her, but she is so quick on uh, wait, wait, don't tell me. And the other reason I think people download this these episodes so much, and the other reason I think people download these episodes so much, she's been on, I think, three or four times on our program, is because she doesn't really do a lot of podcasts, which I also find odd. I'm surprised Pardo and them haven't had her on. But if she doesn't really do a lot of podcasts, so I guess if you're looking for a Paula Poundstone podcast appearance, why, you've come to the right place. So we're going to go back to uh, 20. 10, 2011, I believe, and hear the entire episode with Paula Poundstone. And as usual, on the other side, you will get a brand new song of the week. This one's going to come from Joe Matera from Australia. I'll fill you in on the other side. Hey, this is uh, comedian Paul Mercurio, and you're listening to my buddy P.F.'s tape recorder. He's the man. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. It's episode 6. Coming up, Paula Poundstone discusses talking to the audience and finding gold. Several months ago now, and I said, what do you do for a living? And they said, I'm a squirrel, I do squirrel rescue. My life isn't worthy. Paula also tells us about her days in the San Francisco comedy scene with the likes of Will Durst, Mark Maron, Bobcat Goldthwait, Robin Williams, and more. And she tells us how she landed her gig on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the current events quiz show on that fine network. And that's all coming up in the big interview section. But first, I wanted to discuss with you uh, an article that I wrote for Cincinnati City Beat. And if you go to Cincinnati City Beat and just type in in the search bar, Indiana, up will come uh, a family vacationing suggestion, Southern Indiana which is where my family and I traveled to a couple of weeks ago. We do this every year. I get to go on a press trip and uh, usually end up writing an article uh, for somebody somewhere about the wilds of southern Indiana. And I got to thinking this year that uh, Indiana really is like an old-fashioned family vacation where you know you used to pile everybody into the family truckster and head off to a, a certain destination. And then around that destination, usually an amusement park, there were all kinds of different uh, other you know, attractions and, uh, and, and side things to see. A lot of which were cheesy, a lot of which, you know, you made fun of as a kid because, you know, they just were kind of silly. But um, Southern Indiana has that uh, central attraction, Holiday World, which is highly recommended. And uh, But the attractions around it aren't silly and they aren't kitschy and you really can't make fun of them. They're all really very well done and there's a lot to do there. Uh, if you read the article, it, you'll see all the fun stuff that we did. Um, Holiday World, again, we can't stress highly enough uh, what a great park it is. Uh, they have a water park. There's free parking. You get free pop as much as you want all day long. 
and uh, free suntan lotion as well. And in the water park, just to give you an idea how they're thinking about uh, pleasing the guests there, you know the lazy river ride you see in a lot of water parks? Well, of course, that always has the longest line because everybody wants to ride that because it's something the whole family can do. So what does Holiday World do with their splash and safari area? It's built another lazy river, so they have two of them. So there's hardly ever a wait for uh, any of the rides, uh, really. So it's, it's, a, it's a very fun time. It is probably more for the little ones if you have you know kids between 3 and 12. It's really primed for them, although there are three very fine roller coasters there, and uh, all the water park rides are, are probably geared more towards uh, like teens and older, uh, some of the bigger rides. So, I mean, everybody will have a good time there. You can also check out uh, the Lincoln Pioneer Village and the Lincoln's Boyhood Home are all there. Lincoln, of course, spent uh, the age of 7 to 21 in southern Indiana. He lived there longer than he lived anywhere in, uh, in Illinois or Kentucky or Washington, D.C. So there's all kinds of Lincoln-associated stuff there. If you want to head over to Evansville, they're redoing the Mesker Park Zoo. And uh, probably by next year, it's going to be one of the uh, world-class zoos in, in the Midwest, doing a lot of really cool stuff there. Uh, plenty of places to stay there in southern Indiana. And... Um, I'm sure there's uh, lots of places like that around the Midwest that are within a day's drive. So if you want to email me, pfwilson84 at gmail.com and uh, tell me about those, uh, I think it's really kind of a, a neat thing. I think too many times we, we, you know, we fly to places like Disney World or to California or Hawaii and you know, stay in these you know, four-star resorts, which is great. But I think we're kind of missing something you know, in driving around with the family and, you know, and stopping at other places. And the nice thing is that those places now really aren't you know, taking your money and you know, foisting the schlock on you. It's some really cool stuff to do. So check out the article again, Cincinnati City Beat, put Indiana in the search bar, and up will come my article about uh, all the fun we had in southern Indiana. And uh, I guess that means now it's time for some fake news. And now, fake news with me. A heat wave continues to grip the nation. News reports abound about high heat and humidity from the plain states like Oklahoma and Kansas to the more fancy states like New York and Pennsylvania. It has been so hot in most of the country, you could fry an egg on Al Gore's book. As temperatures stay above 90 degrees, Fox News continues to suggest that the Weather Channel has a liberal bias. The NFL deal is done. NFL players and owners have agreed on a new labor deal, meaning the 2011 season will proceed as planned. Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker tweeted the good news, noting his beloved Green Bay Packers would be back on the field. His joy was short-lived, however, after he found out that the owners and players had agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement. Donald Trump appearing on Fox and Friends on the Fox News Channel, and I'm making the air quotes around news, said that Republicans should not sign off on a debt ceiling deal with President Obama unless GOP lawmakers get everything they want. Trump suggested that if the economy were to fall into ruin, Obama would not be re-elected in 2012, claiming voters would easily remember one man, President Obama, but not individual Republicans. Trump apparently is oblivious to the notion that people can pretty easily remember the letter R. Michelle Bachman is responding to concerns that her occasional bouts with migraine headaches might be an impediment to her serving if elected president. Political experts point out that this is a minor consideration and that voters should be more concerned about her giving people migraines. Glenn Beck has recently described the victims of the Norwegian shootings as Hitler youth. On his radio program, Beck said, quote, As the thing started to unfold and there was a shooting at a political camp, which sounds a little like a Hitler youth camp, who does a camp for kids that's all about politics? Disturbing, unquote. 
Yeah, he has a 50-page manifesto on the internet describing how liberal ideas are harming the Western world, he's a religious fundamentalist, and mental health experts say he's insane. And the guy in Norway's pretty messed up too. Comic-Con has wrapped up in San Diego. The annual event featured hundreds of exhibitors, dozens of guest speakers, thousands of visitors, and close to one million comic book, Star Trek, computer game, and Dungeons and & Dragons jokes throughout the media. And that's been Fake News with me. Thank you, me. That was a very good job doing the fake news. Uh, right now, I've got a, uh, a bit I want to play for you. It's a, a bit I did as part of uh, my work on the Gary Burbank show a couple of years ago. I'm probably not even allowed to play this, but I figure there's only a dozen people listening, so how much trouble can I possibly get into? Uh, Michael Vick, the uh, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, who of course got in all that trouble for uh, engaging in the dogfighting a couple of years ago, uh, is back in the news. He's, I guess he's uh, come out doing some charity work for uh, animal rescue and things like that. I didn't get quite all the details. All I, uh, all I found out was he was in the news. Uh, the dogfighting thing was mentioned, so I figured, hey, this is a great time to recycle that bit I did with Gary because uh, I really liked it a lot. Um, I call in his Jim Rome and discuss uh, Michael Vick right when the dogfighting story broke. And uh, here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Well, a whole bunch of junk going on in sports. Uh, and uh, I, I say junk... Uh, what it is, I guess. Uh, fortunately, uh, Jim Rome has checked in with us to give uh, an idea. Uh, Romy, thank you a whole lot for calling in again. Appreciate you being here. Keeper. Yeah. Rob Irvin and Slim T. Slim Timbo. Yeah. I am Jim Rome in Los Angeles. Thanks for the buying in your jungle, G. Burr. Appreciate sure. it. Glad uh, I yeah. could squeeze off a call to you, bro. Thanks yeah. a lot. Okay. And as you probably guessed, I have a few takes. They do not suck. Yeah, I want to hear it. Yeah. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell ordered Michael Vick not to report to the Atlanta Falcons training camp mm-hmm. and hinted at the possibility of a suspension for violating league policies in connection with the allegations yeah. that the star quarterback engaged in dogfighting. Right, yeah. yeah. A lot of people are upset about this, G-Bird. Well, no doubt about it. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of dog lovers out there, more than human lovers probably. Right, except for the clones, of course, who find it hilarious. Clones find that hilarious? Here's an email. Sure. Rear rim. Rat Reichel Rick is a reap. Rind Rastro. That's not funny. That's what Bobby in Crapanapolis. Yeah, so what was it? Rat Reichel Rick is a reap. What? Rear rim. Rat Reichel Rick is a reap. Oh, I got Rastro. Oh, I understand that now, yeah. Yeah, Rastro. No, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. This is particularly upsetting if you have a dog or even just like dogs. Mm -hmm. So stop jamming me with Scooby Doo emails and underdog emails and Huckleberry Hound emails. They are not funny, and I will not read them. I see, yeah. yeah. Here's another one. Okay. Rome, why couldn't Vic find a gentler hobby like cockfighting? Signed, Pluto. Pluto? Pluto's not that no, no, no. That's from Tim and Crappington. Okay. Why couldn't Vic find a gentler hobby like cockfighting? Yeah, it's that's not funny. That's not funny. First of all, Pluto can't talk to him, so I don't know how in the hell he's going to send an email. That's great. You're not fooling anyone with your Pluto email. Mm-hmm. Goofy maybe could send an email. Astro, too. Yeah. In fact, I get Astro sending an email. He lives in the future, so I well, buy that. You buy that? But Pluto, I don't. Uh, no. Astro could probably bark into a computer and have the email sent, but mm-hmm. Pluto, no. no. No, not that Pluto. Astro's probably very tech-savvy, G-Burr. Probably has a Blackberry. Oh, yeah. But Pluto, I'm just not buying it. Okay, okay. Dino either. In fact, Dino's not even a dog, G-Burr. He's a dinosaur. Yeah, but, yeah Dino's a dinosaur. Yeah, undoubtedly, yeah. Snoopy, yeah. he could send an email, G-Burr. I guess he could, yeah. yeah. If he can put together an entire Thanksgiving dinner for Charlie Brown... Well, yeah, he could send an email. He could send an email, yeah. Yeah. Snoopy can pop 
pop popcorn and make toast and then shuffle the toast like it was playing cards. Mm-hmm. He can send email. He can send email. Okay. So we got that straight. We have that straight now, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Now that I've said that, uh-huh. the clones are rushing to their computers about to jam me with Snoopy emails, which I will not read. Okay. okay. But back to Vic Cheaper. <laughs> okay. Does it get any worse with the league's image? He's got guys involved in shootings, DUIs, drug possession, burglaries. Uh-huh. Do you think Roger Goodell and his wildest nightmare imagined he'd have to smack down a player because of dogfighting? No, I wouldn't think so. And it's not like this is an easy thing to detect. No. There's no random test for dogfighting. You don't hand the guy a cup, have him fill it, run the test, and say, yeah, this guy's involved in dogfighting. No, it probably wouldn't happen. Uh, you couldn't see through that. I guess you couldn't. No, you see the players going, hey, bro, I need a clean sample. I was huh. having a dogfight last week. Fill this for me. <laughs> Just a random test, guys. We're testing yeah. for marijuana, heroin, anabolic steroids, and dogfighting. And dogfighting, yeah. You don't hand the guy a cup, have no. him fill it, run you the said test, that. and say, this guy's involved in dogfighting. Yeah, you said that. It's not going to happen, Cheeber. Right, you said that, yeah. Here's an email. Okay. Dan Smack. I'm going to help Michael find the real dogfighters. Signed, Orenthal. <laughs> well, that didn't take long, G. Burr. Look, clone, stop jamming up my email with your Orenthal resets and your emails from Astro and Scooby and Hong Kong Fui. They are not funny, and I will not read them, and neither will G. Burr. No, I won't either. Thanks I'm... for the fine G. I must be off. Rack okay. me out. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Rack him. Rack him, he's out. All right, uh... <laughs> That's not funny. He's right. That stuff is not funny. Exactly. But I mean, he can tell you a thousand times it's not funny, he though. He knows what's up. So, yeah, sure, man. He knows what's Who knows sports better than Romy, right? Paula Poundstone has been in the comedy business, oh, for uh, a couple of decades now, and I didn't want to say that at the beginning of the interview when we actually spoke to her, because, you know, you don't want to make anybody feel old like that, but um, she is a, a veteran of the comedy scene, certainly, and uh, it's always been one of my favorites. I always re- really enjoyed her back in the 80s, always a good joke teller, still active, still playing theaters uh, and entertaining audiences. You can, of course, hear her on NPR's uh, current events quiz show, Wait, Wait, uh, Don't Tell Me. And uh, I was trying to think of it. Wait, don't tell me what the name of the show is. Um, an unintentional joke there. Anyway, I um, just wanted to note to you at the end of the interview with Paula, uh, she mentioned something about uh, thanking me for understanding her uh, the scheduling uh, conflict we, we had. And what happened was, you know, she has kids at home. And uh, I've got kids here, so believe me, you know, it just it, it, something doesn't work out because the, you know the kids have a, a, an issue. No one knows that better than me. So uh, here's the big interview with Paula Poundstone. Okay, well, joining us on the PS tape recorder right now, it is Paula Poundstone. Fans of comedy going back to the '80s will certainly recognize Paula. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Paula. Well, thank you very much. Um, now, you, uh, had, as I recall, started in San Francisco or Boston, or I can't remember. I get all confused. I started in Boston. Okay. And, uh, and then, and then I uh, took a Greyhound bus around the country and uh, ended up staying in San Francisco for a while. Okay. So you were there when, uh, like, uh, Marin and Will Durst and, uh, and Bobcat were all there? Yep. Wow. Yep, yeah. I was there during some really fun, exciting years. There were tons of open mic nights. Um, you know, nice, uh, we were all, uh, just, just pops. Yeah. Um, I started, I started when I was 19 and I was in San Francisco when I was 20. So it was a pretty good time. So when you were in Boston, what kind of gave you the the push to go into stand-up? But were you like always funny around your friends and they said, oh, you got to try this? Or was it kind of some desire that you had that, you know, I've got to get up on stage and do that? 
Well, I'll tell you, the first sentence of the last paragraph of uh, the kindergarten letter, the summary letter written by my kindergarten teacher in May of 1965 says, uh, I have enjoyed many of Paul's humorous comments about our activities. <laughs> um, it was written by Mrs. Bump, um, you know, uh, and I think I loved the idea that I had, you know, that an adult found me funny. Um, and certainly I enjoyed, uh, you know, the responsive laughter and enjoyed, uh, um, you know, making people laugh uh, on the occasions on which I did, um, all growing up. And so I loved the idea of being a comic performer of some sort. I mean, I don't think I was really keyed into stand-up per se until, until I was, uh, uh, you know, an adult. And, and really, stand-up comedy scene happened to be rejuvenated um, around the country. And um, Boston was one of the cities where that happened. How did your style sort of develop? Were there people, once you discovered stand-up, people that you kind of gravitated towards, or did you kind of, you know, having kind of made funny comments all your life, just kind of naturally start yeah, going that I think that it direction? really was just something I had done all my life, you know? I, I, I mean, it's funny. I mean, like any other profession, I think, that one, you know, goes, you know, I think you, you spend those years kind of finding yourself. And did you find as you as you were doing it more, your mind started to work more in that in that way to kind of find the funny in things? Well, not necessarily to find the funny, but I'll tell you. Um, in fact, when I first started working uh, as a stand-up, first started doing open mic nights and the like, um, I always would get distracted. You, you know, I'd be on. I, first of all, I'd be nervous, so I'd try to memorize my big five minutes that I was going to do. Yeah. And then, uh, really, as I walked up on stage, I'd realize, oh damn it, I dropped it. You know, <laughs> either I don't remember what I was going to say, or um, just something else in the room diverted my attention. And I would often comment on whatever that was, whether it was a person or something. Um, at first, I thought, well, that's just terrible. And then I would try to find my way back to this you know, established five minutes that I was trying desperately to do. And I, and I really thought that it was, you know, just a, a sign that I would, I don't know what night or what day I finally realized, oh, you know what, that's the fun part. Um, you know, just spontaneity and, and being in the moment and the stuff that won't be repeated again. And, um, you know, the kind of, you had to bend there stuff and the part where you really just sort of let yourself, you know, go and grab, you know, anything you think, you just go ahead and say it. Um, and uh, as it turns out, that really is kind of where the, you know, the heart and soul of uh, of, of my show is. You know, just that sense that um, this thing that we're doing right now, all of us together, really won't be repeated. Um, yes, in some form. It's not like, you know, I mean, I have an act and I've repeated many of the things I've said over and over again. But, but um, I, my show is... Uh, my favorite part of the night is I do the time-honored where you're from, you do for a living. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and, and uh, these little biographies um, unfold of people in the crowd, and I, and, and I just sort of use those as springboards to talk about this or talk about that or whatever it reminds me of. It seems to work. I remember when we spoke last time, you said that uh, I think you would kind of were, were moving more in that direction because um, I remember uh, from seeing your uh, sets uh, you know, back in the you know the comedy heyday when on all the cable shows, uh, your your set always seemed not like jokey joke, roll you know boom setup punchline, but more like uh, this happened to me. This is a setup, and then you had a you know real funny punchline to it. But with the audience uh, thing, I remember you said you had found uh, someone in the audience who was a life coach, and uh, how great is it discovering those little nuggets of gold in the crowd? Cause I remember that really oh, tickled man. you. There are those moments. Yeah. I talked to somebody several months ago now and I said what do you do for a living and they said I'm a squirrel I do squirrel rescue <laughs> well you know 
I'm just thinking, my life isn't worthy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, and the truth is, they don't even have to say like a funny thing, although those are. Oh yeah. But um, they can just say whatever, and you know, you get talking to people for a few minutes, and 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 there's great stuff there. You know, luckily, be, be, because I like to work in that very spontaneous way. I, I, I do a radio show called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. Oh, that was my next um, question. <laughs> and, well, you know, the, two th- the, 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 the way that I work and the format of that show um, are really a terrific marriage. Um, it's, uh, it's been great for me. I mean, it's been really, really fun to do. It's a weekly news quiz show. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, un- it, it's scripted in that um, they have questions that they're asked. Yeah. You know? Uh, but we don't know what the questions are. We know they're based on the week's news. So if one wanted to, I guess you could, um, you know, have jokes on, you know, on topics all prepared. I, I however, do not. Um, and uh, I'm really kind of like a batter in a batting cage. I, I you know, they, um, they kind of throw stuff at me, and 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 sometimes, frankly, I just watch it go by, and other times <laughs> I get a beat. Yeah. How did you uh, did you come about getting that gig? Um, really in the most boring of ways, I, uh, they called me. <laughs> oh, they said, they thought you'd yeah, be good for that? They just called me. Huh. Um, I, they just, I don't know, a long time ago, like, uh, I've been doing it probably for about 10 years. And, um, you know, they just called me up and I had never heard of it. Um, at that time they didn't mostly work in front of an audience. They mostly were, um, just each performer, each panelist, um, was at whatever, um, you know, public radio station was nearest them. Okay. Um, and they did their, you know, they were wired up, uh, or NPR station, you know, they were wired up from there. And um, uh, then they started doing shows like a while after I came aboard, they started doing shows where um, they were in front of audiences and and uh, therefore we all had to show up in one place. And uh, that, of course, naturally the energy of that is uh, is better. Um, and more sort of inspired, and uh, the show's just gotten better and better. Um, so I remember we, when we uh, spoke last time that you said you kind of felt the, the pressure of uh, really having to stay up on the news now, though, that when you're driving around, you got to pay particular attention because it might turn up on the uh, on the show. Well, I try, but, you know, the truth is my ability to keep up with what's going on in the world is... Um, it, it it largely depends on what's going on in my home. You know, the more dramatic things at the Poundstone House, uh, the less I know <laughs> about the world outside of us. <laughs> well, um, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> you know, I gotta make it. I can only make it so far out of my circle, um, depending on how things are. So you know, there's some weeks where I happen to know a lot, and there's some weeks where uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I just keep saying Iraq, hoping that's the answer. <laughs> There you go, your go-to answer. So what other projects would you uh, like to be working on with your comedy? Do you have uh, any things that you haven't done yet that you want to do or just kind of take well, it as it comes? I would love to write a, you know, a movie or, or a play or something like that, but I don't know that I will. I would love to, though. Um, I, you know, I, I find uh, large chunks of time um, to do anything uh, pretty scarce. Yeah. So I, I've been writing a book um, uh, for, I don't know, a couple of years now. 
um, and I just get to it so little at a time. It's just embarrassing. Um, I wrote another book called There's Nothing in This Book That I Need to Say, and it took me nine years. Wow. So I, 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 and I thought, surely, that I had set the bar so low for myself <laughs> in terms of you know, finishing time that you know, I couldn't possibly do worse than I had done then in terms of how long it was going to take me. But I, I, I think I might, not, might be on my path to breaking my own record. <laughs> Well, there's a lot going on, and you know, off stage, I'm sure you know you got a household to take care of, and you know. we got a busy life over here. Guys. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, that's really the good news. Better busy than bored, I always say. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so, what other kind of things you talk about on stage besides you know asking folks the uh, you know the, the occupational stuff? Is there anything uh, new that's kind of striking you funny in the world? Oh, what do I talk about? I talk about. Uh, I talk about, you know, politics only as I understand it, not because I'm always right, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I talk about uh, raising a house full of kids and animals. We have uh, we have 16 cats. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that alone is a full-time <laughs> job. And I, um, people always say to me, like, how did you get 16 cats? Kind of dripping with judgment. And uh, I know exactly how, which is I had 15, and I got one more. And uh, people come up to me all the time also and say, oh, we have three. And I say, well, <laughs> stop right there. Because truly it is a pain in the neck. I, 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 you know, I happen to tweet the final Oprah show. Now, in all the years of Oprah, I think, you know, I've, see, I've seen, well, I might have flipped by, you know, I've seen a handful of minutes of Oprah here and there in the 25 years that she was on. Um, but one couldn't help... Uh, Knowing about the final episode, it was rather oh yeah, it was everywhere drummed into our heads, and so uh, I did tweet it, um, and uh, and because I I tweeted it, which I thoroughly enjoyed, um, I, you know I heard everything she said, and she kept, and she began talking about doing what is your life's calling, and uh, geez, even as she was saying it, I could hear the cat pee calling me. <laughs> um, apparently, that is my life's calling. Do the kids help out at all with the pets? Um, very little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very little. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My kids no, want a dog. They can't even yeah. feed the fish downstairs. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, if the cats waited for the kids to take care of them, then, you know, we drown. Well, uh, thanks for talking to us uh, today, Paula. Um, sure. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you very thanks, much for your patience uh, with my oh, uh, no, scheduling. Well, well, I'm surprised that we didn't get interrupted here because usually when I'm doing an interview, that's the perfect time my daughter picks to come down and, and start begging me for a cookie. And she knows that I, I won't I say no you. because she'll throw a fit because I'm recording the interview. So she's very clever. <laughs> yeah. We have the same manipulation here, only probably older. <laughs> there um, you go. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Paula. Bye-bye. And thanks again to Paula Poundstone. Uh, again, you can hear her on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And you can check her out at paulapoundstone.com to get all her tour dates and whatnot. And uh, coming up now is the uh, musical portion of the podcast. Um, I started doing this simply to pad out the time because uh, it's a lot of work putting together fake news and editing the interviews and then trying to come up with you know one or two bits for the podcast, and then I figured, well, maybe I can play some music, you know, and get uh, some people I know some exposure, and uh, one group I thought of was a group, they are from actually back in the 1990s, they are uh, no longer in existence, though the uh, individual members are still playing in and around the Cincinnati area, but this is a group called Birdhouse, 
Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, they're going to remind you of They Might Be Giants, but they still had their own sound. They have uh, a great sense of humor, and they just write some damn catchy songs. If you can somehow get a hold of their 21-song CD called Serendipity Do, uh, look around the internets for it. If you're in record shops in Cincinnati, uh, look for it. Maybe someone, uh, for some insane reason, sold it back. I don't know. But get a hold of this. I'm going to play a track from it right now. This was the lead-off single uh, from that CD, which came out, I believe, in 1995. Uh, this is Birdhouse with Never Gonna Fall in Love. House with Never Gonna Fall in Love. Hope you enjoyed that. Wow, those guys should have been huge. I'm just astonished uh, that they were not. And uh, that's it for episode six. Thanks again to Paula Poundstone. You can find her at paulapoundstone.com and you can hear her most every week on NPR's current events quiz show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Uh, today's podcast featured Gary Burbank along with music by Birdhouse. The music for PS Tape Recorder was composed by John Baropoulos with a little help from me. Performed by John Baropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a very tiny bit of help from me. The PF Tape Recorder logo is designed by Dan Cable. For now, follow him at Tiger Dactyl on Twitter, and then he'll let you know from there what he is up to. He is up to plenty, I'm pretty sure. Follow me at PF66 on Twitter, like PF Tape Recorder on Facebook, and email the show if you like at pfwilson84 at gmail.com. That's the show, and thanks for listening.
there it is, episode 6 of PF's Tape Recorder. You can't find that anywhere else, well, until now, uh, except here. Uh, it isn't even in the iTunes queue anymore, it isn't even on Podbean anymore. But uh, it is now on Podbean again, and anywhere you get your podcast, obviously, because, well, you're listening to it right now. So our song of the week, I was going to uh, choose a band called Current Joys. We're going to push them back in the batting order to next week, because uh, a fellow named Joe Matera reached out to us. Joe was on episode 380 with a song, Waiting for the Sun, with song of the week back then in 2018. And uh, he sent me this new tune called One and Only. He's got a new EP coming out. And uh, the last one he sent us, Waiting for the Sun, was a kind of an acoustic-y situation. Uh, this, this one's a bit rockier, One and Only is, and really puts me in the mind of Paul Kelly and the Messengers. Uh, if you're listening around the world, Paul Kelly and the Colored Girls, uh, a band from Australia in the 80s and 90s. Uh, starts off like it's going to be acoustic, and then he really gets rocking with this one. So I think you're really going to dig this. So, uh, again, listen next week for hopefully a brand new guest. Uh, enjoy the song of the week. It is Joe Matera, one and only PF Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. Get away from the ties that bind Flashpoint lit, too much pressure Time to leave, need to run Escape the 